Arr, pirate fans, it's time to find out the state of the ship of your defending champions for the 2022 season with your hosts, Johnny Wilbur and Jake Ignazuski. And now, it's the state of the ship. Welcome back into the state of the pirate ship. I'm your host, Pirates Insider, Jake Ignazuski, and we are here with the new head coach of the Massachusetts Pirates, Coach Mark Stout. So how are we doing, Coach Stout? Great. How are you doing up there? Doing good. Can't complain. Just just wait, waiting for the snow to start coming. I like I like the leaves. They look nice right now. So hopefully we can wait for the cold to come in a little bit. No problem. Anytime you need to do a little work. I got a lot of leaves in my backyard. You can come down here and help yourself to a few. I got you. I'll, I'll definitely give you both tip about that. But uh, how's your offseason been going so far? Good, good. Um, you know, when I'm home, I coach high school football, so I'm I'm, I'm in the, the middle part of the season right now. My team's having a good year. We're 5-1, and one, headed into a, a big game against one of the top five teams in the state this coming weekend. So, you know, that's, that's fun and exciting to give back to the community and coach the younger kids in, in my offseason, too, as well. That's awesome. What, what, what school did you say that you coached for? Glastonbury High School. Season's been going so good so far, a lot of success. And so, you know, looking back really on Pirates' season, um, I'm curious sort of what lessons you learned. You know, you, you were the offensive coordinator for part of the season, and then you also helped out with some special team stuff. But um, what lessons did you learn, and how are you looking to fix some of those things that maybe didn't work last year this next season? Well, I, I think our, our biggest thing was just our chemistry last year as a team. When I got there the year before, the one thing we had was a very tight chemistry-focused team. Uh, I think I think down the stretch, um, we didn't get beat by a better team in the playoffs. I just think that in the playoff game, we lost to a team that had better chemistry. They played more as a team, and we sort of were more like a bunch of individuals. And 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 that's got to start early in, in in the process. We have to build that all bought in team concept, and that's got to come in training camp and 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 get it done. So as a coaching staff, I think that's one of the big emphasis this year is to make sure we have that team bonded very, very early. Uh, team, and, you know, football is not an individual sport. Teams win championships, not necessarily the team with the biggest name players, but the team that at that point in the game is playing together as a group. When you're together as a group, you've got that feeling that of invincibility. Uh, the year before we won the championship, we didn't really care what happened in the game. We just knew that no matter what happened, we were going to overcome it and we would win in the end. And we weren't quite there this past season. And I think that's the big thing that we need to, to concentrate on and really make sure that as a staff, we've got that taken care of. And, you know, my, my first conversation really on this podcast was with Toby Johnson. It was, you know, last November. And chemistry was the biggest thing that he mentioned as well, was, was the key to hoisting up, hoisting up that trophy at the end of the season. And um, from your experience in the past, not only as a head coach, but um, j just in your 27 years as a coaching experience, what have you seen allow and, and help build up that chemistry, especially starting off the season? Well, it's, 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 it's a couple of things. Uh, you know, one thing, uh, one thing that affected us negatively last year is we had a lot of injuries. So, you know, we lined up from one week to the next with three, four new players in. You know, we were constantly having to bring guys in, get guy back off of IR, put a guy on IR. So there was a lot of flux in the, in the actual roster. Um, chemistry builds by me getting used to the guy playing next to me. 
And if I'm a corner, my safety and my DV, if I'm a defensive lineman, the DN with the nose and the other DN and also the linebacker. Um, so it was kind of hard in a way. And the other thing was we were a much younger team this past year. We had a lot of young guys coming in and out. And, you know, it's when they come in on short notice, they've got two, three days to get ready, and then they're playing in the game. And, and you know, it's a mad scramble just to get your mind straight and be ready to go. Uh, and then also now to blend in with your teammates to become part of that group. So it's asking a lot of young guys and, and our team is made up and this league in general is made of traditionally of young guys. Um, so it takes a minute. If, if we look at the teams that made it down the stretch into the championship, they had a lot less turnover in terms of injuries. So we had the right players. I, I just felt that we just, they just didn't really have a, a great opportunity to gel as a group because of the constant changeover. I mean, we, Last year, in, in my 20-something years of coaching, that's the most injuries I've experienced on a team in one season, I mean. And, you know, people don't see behind the scenes, but it's a mad rush by Jawad and, uh, you know, as our GM to scramble to get players in, to, to recruit players, talk to agents, find a guy to get in, get him in. He gets to us. You know, we've got two days and we're on the road. So it's a lot to ask of a kid to come in and try to pick up a scheme and, and learn his teammates and, and trust the coaching staff and trust the scheme. Uh, there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes that builds up to that confident football player that you see or the fans see on Friday or Saturday night. And I think that we really struggled with that last year. And it's, it's inevitable. Hopefully, and I'm knocking on wood and my fingers are crossed, we're not going to go through the injury pattern again this year. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, having to get players in and, and be able to help them learn not only the playbook, but also the arena game as well. And it, it was pretty remarkable how Jawad was able to, you know, fill in those guys here and there, especially with, you know, some injuries happening right before game day. And, you know, I'll never forget Taz Wilson uh, having to learn the playbook on Friday and then have to play in Duke City on Saturday. Uh, absolutely, and, absolutely. And, you know, it's, especially with having guys being able to, you know, get used to the guy next to them playing with them each and every single Saturday. It's going to be a little bit unique this next season, you know, with, with the XFL arising as well as USFL. And, you know, we, we could potentially see, especially what we saw at the beginning of last season, so some of the guys on the team getting picked here and there. And so um, from your conversations with Jawad, sort of mentally preparing for that to potentially happen, um, how are you looking to still keep the chemistry consistent and good within the locker room, despite maybe some guys being uh, moving up into other leagues? Well, well, the difference is uh, an injury taking a guy away versus an opportunity for a guy to play at the next level. Um, so when one of the players gets picked up to play at the next level, let's just say it's like an injury. It happened on Monday. So now somebody's got to come in and replace him. But it's a very positive thing. As far as the rest of the team is concerned, it's like, oh, man, you know, uh, Roger got picked up, man. We're really we're really excited for him. And, uh, you know, pretty soon it'll be my shot. And then the new guy comes in. And even though he's got to learn the playbook and be ready to play in two days, it's not looked on as, oh, my gosh, my starting corner is gone. And, and I got to get a new guy. And he's hurt. And, and that affects us. You know, in regards to what they say, football players are human. And so they have human feelings about injuries and guys getting hurt. And sometimes it starts to creep in a little bit into your mindset. Well, you know, everybody else is getting hurt. Is it going to be my turn to get hurt? So it's, it's a different approach. When you're approaching for a guy that's had a successful transition, that's a lot easier to accomplish. And, and the guys that are, are left behind, 
are still confident and, and they will then embrace the new guy that's coming in a lot faster. So even though it's a replacement of a one-for-one, one, one player out, one player in, it's just totally different circumstance. That makes sense. And ho hopefully, you know, not only the Pirates are not going with, like you mentioned, able to avoid some of those injuries, but also see some of those guys continue to move up and be able to help others do the same exact thing. But um, from your experience as a head coach, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the traits of um, having good chemistry and how that correlates to the on-field performance. But um, from, from your past experience, what traits do you believe make a team successful? Well, number one, number one, you, you, A, you've got to have the right guys. And I think Jawad's done a great job of, of bringing us in the right talent. We have a very talented group of guys. We've had them every year. The last two years I've been there, we've been very talented. So we've had talented guys. Uh, number two is uh, to get them to buy in, to be all in, to, to make sure. And, and that happens by us in training camp primarily setting that tempo, the chemistry, what we expect as a staff, what we expect as a team uh, with Jawad and JoJo uh, from a front office management, what are the expectations of ownership, getting that in, getting it up and running and getting it set up. The faster we get that in and the faster that sets up, the better it is. The other thing is it's also the veteran players that we're going to get back from, from last year. Uh, you know, those guys are truly going to be the leaders. They have to step up in a leadership role. And then we've got to prepare some of them for the leadership role. Uh, some guys are, are not natural born leaders. They're great players, but they operate in the background. They don't want to be the guy up in front and they don't want to be the guy that has to, you know, has to take task of his, of his teammates. So the toughest thing about being a leader from a player's point of view is players like to get along. They like to be in the locker room. They like to be liked. They, you know, they're part of a positive movement. And when you become a team captain or a team leader, like we had Toby when he played for us back in the championship year, um, well-liked guy, but also a little bit of a little bit of uh, I don't want to say fear, but a little bit of understanding that if you know if you don't if you don't do the right thing, especially off the field, Toby is going to be there to set you straight. And so we've got to build on on a, a platform of getting a couple of those kind of players with the Toby, what I call the Toby mentality, that leadership quality, because that's what is needed along with the coaches that runs that locker room. That's the culture in the locker room. And we've got to make sure that we develop that, develop it early, identify who those players are going to be for us, and then give them all the tools that they need to step into that role and be comfortable in that role. And I, I think towards the end of the season, we had a couple of guys, one of them, uh, 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 Maxi Penton, uh, we've already re-signed him. He's the guy that we're going to look to for that leadership kind of role. He's been in the battle. He understands what it's all about. And now I think it's time for him to take that next step now. to what I call, I call it taking ownership in your team. Uh, you know, we have an ownership group and, and we've got coaches. But the truth, in fact, is when, when the chips are down and you're in, that, you're in the game, it's 21 guys in the game. Those are the guys that affect us positively or negatively. So we've got to find... 21 player owners is what I like to call them that will own that locker room on game day. And, and, and what, what, and you can feel it. I mean, it, when that locker room happens, that's kind of like uh, referring back to the NFL, but the Patriot way, the Patriot locker room was a strong locker room and whoever came into that locker room bought into what they were doing because of the presence of the other individuals in that room. And so we've got to get that going. The other big thing that we have and, and a big asset that I plan to use quite a bit this year is uh, Patrick Pass. Because he's been there, he's done it. So I really want to get him involved as a mentor for that locker room mentality. And I think he's the perfect person to fit that mold of what we ex what we need to get done there. 
along, of course, with the coaching staff. And, 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 and that goes hand in hand. But I think Coach Pass will be a phenomenal figure, and, and I really want to uh, emphasize him and enhance his role in terms of that chemistry and that understanding of what it takes to be a pro. Because we're dealing with young guys. We're dealing with guys that are in the 22, 23, 24-year-old on average just getting out of college, maybe a year removed. Uh, still some growing up to do. And, 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 and again, with a resource like that, I think that's a fantastic opportunity for him to really uh, take that over and really handle that part of it for us. I think that's a great idea, especially, you know, with the Now or Never 2 documentary just coming out a few weeks ago, you really saw sort of the leadership and mentorship uh, that Patrick Pass brought to that 2021 team and and really helped them be able to play to their full potential. And and also being able to find those leaders, I think, is so critical as well. And, you know, you brought up Ari and Maxi Penn. You know, I, I even noticed myself being around the team, how he would mentor not only a secondary, but just defense in general. And it's especially being able to find those leaders, that's something that I think maybe the team lacked a little bit down the stretch at the end of the year. You know, we saw multiple times uh, last year's team really struggled being able to finish games. There was times where, you know, teams were able to come back in the final seconds or whatever it was. But um, how do you think looking looking at, you know, film throughout this offseason, um, what, what are you trying to do uh, this next season to make sure the team finishes a little bit better uh, in these games in 2023? Well, yeah, each each uh, each group is kind of unique. Uh, you know, we'll build first. Number one thing is to build a roster for this year. We're in the infancy stages of putting that roster together. Um, you know, Jawad's working hard. You know, I'll be involved more now and reaching out to guys too as well. And and in general, my whole the whole staff will start reaching out to guys. Um, we're we're in the process now of finalizing the staff. Uh, and then once we get that going, well, we'll I'll get everybody. Uh, up to speed on who our players are. And then each coach is going to be tasked with reaching out to, to his individual position guys. And then myself overall and reaching out to all the guys, but starting to build that chemistry and build that rapport and relationship with the players before they even get to us. Um, it's going to be a little bit tough because obviously with the XFL and the USFL, they're starting just before we're coming to camp, we're coming to camp and, in, in the beginning of March, the XFL draft is going to happen uh, here in about two, three weeks. They're training camps in February. So there's going to be some turnover and some flex on the roster at that point in time. So we've got to be prepared for that. And we've got to have our, our guys lined up to know that if we lose uh, John, uh, and he's our linebacker, who is the next man up? And we've got to create that next man up uh, for the opportunity. Uh, a door closes on somebody. And it's not from an injury, but it's from a success story of a guy advancing. It's a lot easier to get guys to fill into that door and to get good players to want to come and fill into that door. It's exciting to be a mass pirate right now. We just had five guys at the NFL invite uh, combine that are going to be in the XFL draft. We've got we've got a lot of guys. We've just uh, we've got some some veteran guys that are re-signing with us. So I think here in the next couple of weeks, the roster is really going to blossom and things are really going to start happening for us. Uh, and, and we're excited. And then the other thing, of course, is to make sure we've got our staff done because, you know, if I'm a player, the number one thing I want to know besides the team that I'm going to go play for is, you know, who's my coach? Who's the guy that's going to be in charge of me? Who's the guy that's going to help me to get that opportunity to the next level? And I think that's big. So I think as a player and as an agent, it's good for them to see that, okay, our staff is in place. This is who we got. This is who you're dealing with. And then it makes the picture a lot clearer. And then it makes a, a big difference to me in closing that player and getting him to come play for the Mass Pirates versus playing for somebody else. 
I think I think that next man up and do your job mentality is so important. And you know, around the front office, there's there's some of those uh, phrases around to to really um, you know motivate the team to be able to believe in that mentality. But um, you know, fr from your experience, I I'm curious, especially with the arena game. You know, it's it's much different than outdoor football, and that's something that I learned in my first season with the Pirates last year. Is it doesn't matter if there's five seconds left. Any team has either team has the ability to be able to ultimately win the game. And, um, you know, there's stats, there's standings, but I, I'm curious, how do you really define success in the arena game? Well, you know, as with any sport, uh, you know, success is defined by wins and losses. I mean, it, it's pro sports, uh, you know, and championships. Wins and losses equate to championships. Um, so I don't necessarily focus in. Uh, so much on the, the the championship end of it because that's going to come. That's a product of doing the right thing and creating winners. So we need to create winners amongst our team, and that winning will then translate into actually winning games. So I'm, I'm not so much in terms of panicking about trying to force on them. You know, we got to win, win at all costs, that type of thing. If you create a winner in an athlete, and he's a confident young man with great athletic ability, which is what we get. And then we create that winning mentality within him. That's going to translate into wins on the field. The other thing is we have to be teachers of the game. Uh, it's a different game. They've not played in the football game. If you're up 21 points in, in, in the outdoor game, that's almost a guaranteed win. Although with some of these pro teams in the NFL right now, 21 points gets blown up in the second half. But typically, you know, with two minutes left, you're up 21 points. The game's over. Our game is never over. So, again, what we've also got to do is focus our young men into understanding it. We have to play with a sense of urgency, and it's never over. It's never over till that final whistle goes. In, in indoor football, 21-point swings happen in less than a minute. They score. They kick off an onside kick. They get it. They score again. You don't move the ball. If you don't get positive yards, the clock stops. So you really can't sit on your laurels. And, and you know, to a certain extent, you know, some games, uh, people may, fans may look and say, okay, well, they're trying to run the score. You're not really running the score because you have to go forward. You must get positive yardage. And so you that's part of the game. Uh, and so at, at some point, it looks like a team is up 21 and they're still trying to score. But that's the mentality, the understanding of this particular sport versus the outdoor game where we would just drive it, field position, punt, pin them deep, make them drive the length of the field. Uh, you know, in our game, you know, the average drive is four plays. It's not 15 play drives. Um, so things can turn on a dime. So you really can't take your foot off the gas. You've got to be playing number one offense. You've got to be playing number one defense. You've got to be playing number one special teams for 60 minutes and, and no plays off in that in that mix. And we've got to create that. That that we create in training camps. We create that with our with our team philosophy, our team goals that we'll establish very early in training camp. And then allow the players then to understand that and be able to operate from that platform and take it even higher. I think that being teacher of the game is so critical, especially with with you know new guys coming in maybe here and there, and um, being able to help them understand the differences because that's one of the biggest things that I found interesting was asking players how they were really um, acclimating to the indoor game, and especially you know seeing guys after their first game. Uh, you know, going into the boards and, you know, the different rule changes. It was really interesting to sort of, you know, see them open up their mind to the idea of learning more about the game that they've been playing throughout their entire life. But somebody, somebody as you who, who's had 27 years of coaching experience, you know, not only in the IFL, NAL, AFL, and AF2, um, how has your coaching approach really changed over time? 
Well, the number one thing, uh, we're adjusting to a, a slightly different athlete now. I mean, I see it in my high school. Um, you know, we're, you're, you're not, you know, in, in, in the older locker rooms and you look at the older coaches and, and around any, any college coaches or what have you, everybody has transitioned. Um, you know, before a coach would be very dominant, very bang, bang, bang. It's, it's my way or the highway. And, 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 you know, when I played, that's, that's the kind of coach I had. You didn't do what he said. You were, you were out here. Now it's a little bit more of justifying what it is you're doing by players. The players now are a lot more educated on the game themselves before they even get to us. Um, so it's, it's a lot more about connectivity uh, on a one-on-one -on -one basis from the coach to the player. And then that will translate into the learning curve uh, being a lot shorter. And it also very, very big. And I think one of the big things, and, and I, I really like the atmosphere that we have with the mass pirates is the communication and, and building that trust factor where they are going to trust us with their career. And it, it's completely changing college football right now with this transfer portal and, you know, if, if players and, and, and coaches are not connecting, I mean, one year later, that kid that you spent all that time recruiting, he can say, hey, I'm going in the portal, I'm gone. So I think a lot of it now, from a coaching point of view, is really emphasis and, and something that we'll really talk about in our coaching meetings early, interpersonal skills between coaches and players. Uh, and, and not so much the old dominant, I'm the boss, you, you do exactly what I tell you when I tell you. Uh, we also we obviously know, and as a coaching staff, we have the experience to know where we want to go. But a lot of it is going to be how we present it and how we communicate that to our team, and and that's going to be very big uh, in terms of today's football game versus what I saw in the beginning and when I first started. I think being able to adapt to different ways of coaching and you know how how the game really changes is so important. Not not only in coaching, but you can also say in life. And as well you know it's a changing world and you, and you got to change with it and not you know always stick to your guns as you mentioned but um you know you, you also brought up the um the idea that that you really enjoy the environment and the atmosphere of the massachusetts pirates and i, I was curious what really motivated you to return to the pirates because you know you, you came over from louisville back in 2021 and also was with the team last year and so what really motivated you to uh come back I think for me, uh, the biggest thing, uh, the number one motivator for me is that it, it really didn't sit well with me when we lost that playoff game last year. Yeah, I felt that coming into the playoffs, we were one of the best teams and, and we really had an opportunity to go back and, and repeat. And, and once you've climbed to the top of the mountaintop and, and, and you've breathed that air at the top of the mountaintop, it, uh, it, it's it's like an elixir. I mean, you want to get back to that feeling. I mean, you know, you can remember, I remember the game. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the plays. I remember coming down to the field for that last field goal that we were going to be kicked. And I was on the sideline when it was kicked. Uh, I remember what that locker room felt like. And I remember us, you know, being on a boat cruise and, and celebrating with our, with our teammates and, and the players and the coaches and the fans that came. I remember when we got our rings. And, and so that that is that's burned into the memory. And, and so last year I felt a sense of we didn't get the job done and we fell a little bit short. Now, for a lot of people, you made the playoffs, you, you won 12 games. They think that's a fantastic season. What We've raised the bar in Massachusetts because we've got that championship now. And so that's our mentality. Our, you know, our goal is maybe a little bit higher than some teams. Uh, everybody wants to win a championship, no doubt. But uh, so one of the big things was for me, a, a sense of unfinished business. 
to just to go back and, 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 and get back to that point where our team is firing on all cylinders. And then if we get beat, we get beat. If you've played your best game and you've competed to the max in a game and you lose a game, there's some disappointment, but you get over that very fast. If you haven't played your best game and you haven't competed to the max, then that kind of sticks in the mind. And it's like that little sharp prod that kind of every now and then gives you a little stick to remind you that, hey, this is what happened. And let's make sure it doesn't happen again this coming season. So from my personal point of view, uh, that's one of the big things. And the other thing, to be part of a great organization, uh, you know, my hometown is Connecticut. I'm, a, I'm an hour drive away from Massachusetts. So it's like coaching in my backyard. Um, so those are all pluses for me when, when I look at the overall uh, experience of, of, you know, what jobs are out there and what's available. Uh, it, it's an opportunity to finish the unfinished business. And then I'm close to home. My wife can come to the games. I've got friends. I've got coaches at my high school that have already planned some trips to come up for the games. So it, it's that hometown atmosphere, really. Uh, and, and Worcester, uh, fans in Worcester, I think, welcomed us with open arms. They've created that that environment that we're part of a big family you're starting to know people by their names now. You get a chance to talk to them before games or functions that we have. So it's part of that whole like, homecoming, back home again type feel. And, and as a coach, to me, that, that means a lot too as well. And you can really hear the motivation in your voice. And uh, speaking with some players who are coming back this next season, they, they you know, echoed the same sort of feeling of unfinished business. And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait for, you know, the first day of training camp to really see not only the, the motivation, but also the, the passion to get back up to hoisting up that trophy and putting another banner in the DCU center. But um, do, do you know, finish off this conversation, I wanted to, you know, go go with the um, season of times with Halloween coming up. And um, I, I was curious for you, um, is there any looking back, is there any Halloween costume that you think back from your childhood that was your favorite? Well, I mean, not not really. I, I never was really a big Halloween costume guy. I think if I remember correctly, the last the last uh, time I dressed up for Halloween, I, I I kind of took it maybe like the easy way. I dressed up like a doctor, wore some scrubs, and I had a white jacket. So I'll go with that one, scrubs and a white jacket. I, I sometimes do the cop-outs sometimes to grab a baseball jersey or a football jersey and just say I'm a football player or a baseball player. Easy as that. No, that's but, great. That's great. But also, like, you know, thinking back as well, you know, is, is there any Halloween candy that is your top choice that, you know, if, if you were out trick-or-treating today – and somebody was able to have some sort of candy to drop in your bucket or whatever, what sort of Halloween candy would that be? Well, you know, when I was a little bit younger, I was a Snickers freak. So I'd still have to say the old Snickers bar. So I actually asked Ezekiel Rose the same exact thing, and he, he echoed the same exact uh, love for, for Snickers that, that you mentioned. Um, but last Halloween for, one for you, uh, you know, think back, is there any Halloween movie that you really enjoyed during this time? I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not a big scary movie kind of guy. So most of the Halloween movies are kind of like scary movies with the guy with the chainsaw or, you know, so I'm, I'm not, I really can't say anything really stuck out for me because I, I, I never was a fan of going someplace and spending my money to scare my own self. So I, I, I would pass on that one, I guess I would say. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, just last thing for you, um, especially with, with you being with the organization for now coming on your third season. Um, is there any message that you have for Pirates Nation to get them excited uh, about you not only being the head coach of the Pirates, but for them to look forward to the 2023 season? 
Yeah, I mean, we're you know, we're last year we were still a little bit restricted by COVID. I think that's been that big, you know, stick in the room that we've dealt with now for a couple of years. Still a lot of fans were a little hesitant about going out in public and starting to mix and and we're I think the I think the the time has come now to get back out, come support us. We're you know, we're going to be a championship contending team again this year. Uh and we're missing that what I call the ninth man. We're missing that one extra factor. And that's the fact that they control nothing better than being at home and the fans are chanting and, you know, the atmosphere is, is, is fantastic. The energy is there. They, they bring that juice and they bring that energy like nobody else can. So we're excited to be back. We're excited to be headed into this coming season in the 2023 season. Uh, we're looking for great things and, and then we're looking for that fan support to, to take us over that they'll get us over the finish line when they, when we, when we need that extra juice, especially at home games, they're going to provide us with that extra juice and get us home. And we really appreciate it. Uh, nothing. Uh, the the DCU is an intimate setting. It's loud. The fans get rolling. So we're looking forward to them to come out and just make sure you bring a couple of friends with you, especially early in the year. Um, you know, we need all the fans we can get. We want to continue to build that fan base and, and just enlarge that turnout on game day. And then, uh, like I said, the DCU has been a great place for us to play from the management to the workers that put the field down. We're really appreciative of all they do to set that atmosphere and set that scene up. So when we walk in there on game night, we run out that tunnel. I mean, you're on top of the world as a football player. You can't ask for any more than that to get you hyped and get you started on the game is that when you run through that Pirates tunnel, you know, it's time to go. And you could really feel that energy, especially in the, the, last three games or so. And you could also see the energy of the players shift a little bit too. They, they were playing a lot harder. And I, I think, you know, having ninth, the ninth man there is so important and, um, you know, really appreciate you not only giving your insight on reflecting on last season, but also giving your insight on what you're looking forward to do this season now as the head coach of the Pirates. But as always, greatly appreciate it, Coach Stout. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.